0: Amen I'm so glad that you're here thank God for another day to be in his house to be gathered amongst his people to lift up holy hands and a pure heart and worship towards him what a privilege we have to gather and worship Jesus together amen uh, we're about to have our gospel moment a little bit different today um, I'm going to be teaching on dating Um, in just a minute, but before I do, I wanna bring out four amazing individuals and I want you to stand and praise God as they come, amen? Amen, let me call out, let them come and let's receive them. (laughs) Amen, so real quick, if you can go and just introduce
1: yourself. Hey guys, my name's Aaron. Um, just name is all. Okay.
2: okay. I'm Jen. Um, I'm Ashley. I'm
3: Mika. Amen.
0: Thank you. How y'all doing? Are y'all nervous? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit okay, good, good, good. <laughs> I'm gonna try to make this as easy as possible for you. Um, what these are individuals in our church that are single, there are more single people in our church. They're just not on stage these are those that have come to share with us just about where they are uh, in their singleness and how the church can be walking alongside them in that. And so um, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for doing this. So I'm just gonna ask a couple of questions and I just want you guys to fire back at what you guys wanna share. Um, one of the things is that in the in the church, sometimes singles can be looked down on. Um, can be ignored, um, can be treated as if because they are not married, they are less than. As a pastor, I want that to die. It'd be hard for you to read the New Testament without singles. There'll be no Jesus to talk about. Died at 33 single. And then we know Apostle Paul that's writing it down. We need singles, not just in our church as a form of mission, but in our family, we need singles. And so I just want them to share a little bit. Um, first question on the table, uh, what is, um, sometimes I'm sure you have been approached with people saying, I'm just going to say it, dumb stuff to singles, right? What are, what are one thing that you wish people knew about you as a single person,
3: um, my desire matters. Um, a lot of times, you have conversations with people you love and friends, and sometimes they can hurt your feelings without even knowing about it. Um, so I just like I remember approaching a friend and telling them that you know I have a desire for marriage and I want it to glorify God. Um, and the question was why—not not why, but Is there a marriage that you're idolizing and that hurt because not every desire just because i have a desire for marriage doesn't mean it's an idol um it's a good desire and it's something that i should be praying for um and so in that moment i would have appreciated if that person was like you know what that's a great desire let me let's i encourage you to keep praying i encourage i will keep praying for you and just kind of like praise the desire to have a marriage that glorifies god
2: I think for me, the one, the thing that I like struggle with the most that people say to me is, um, you should be happy to be single. Like you don't have no worries. Like it's all good. Like you're living life. And I sometimes it's okay. Like it doesn't bother you. But when you're struggling with loneliness and that's what you hear, it can it can be difficult and it can kind of set you back in a way. Um, and I think for me, like the one thing as a single that I personally need is just like that support because. It is not always like easy, and feeling lonely is terrible, <laughs> which I'm sure most of you know. Um, and so, just having support and not being made to feel like we are some like weird people um, <laughs> that like, why are you still single at your age? You know. Um, so I think support and knowing that sometimes it's not the best thing to say to somebody. You should kind of see where their head is at before you kind of, you know, put that out there,
4: basically. Um, For me, personally, it's more of the assumption of personality, of just thinking, like, well, are you presenting yourself as somebody that's friendly? Are you friendly? Um, So it makes it seem as if, like, there's something innately wrong with us, um, as if we're projecting this thing that is, (sighs) it's hard to say, where it's, you want somebody to get to know you, but they already have an idea of like who you are because you're single. So it makes it seem as if it's like, okay, so maybe you're not presenting yourself in the way that you should be, so that somebody can actually ask you out or to go on dates. Or to just seem as if, um, gosh, there's a thought that I had. Um, I don't know, just, just to make sure that we're highlighting the actual personality that you are to get to know from this person. Like this person is actually friendly. This person actually wants to have, eventually get to to the point where they're married or to even have like that that good friend to actually build that bond, to then grow into something that's dating and so forth. So. mm If I could
0: could jump in for a minute here, I think, and I'm coming to you. Um, I think one of the reasons we do this, particularly as married people, it's because we have an idol of marriage. And we've exalted marriage to the place that if you don't reach it, then there's something wrong. And that's a lie. I just want to help married people for a second. That's a lie. Um, God is clear in the scriptures on how God wants to use single people to accomplish this mission and that they are not incomplete if they're single and so I just want to encourage that to not project your idol of marriage on someone else amen
1: and yeah piggybacking off of that um I think like Rod said it is seen as an idol but you know your idol should be Jesus and that's who you should look for it's for marriage and I feel that at times um even personally you know it's such a big pressure that's put on you you know and Like you said, you know, why aren't you married? And sometimes it just may not be your season. You know, God may be using you in other ways, and Mm -hmm. there's just some things that you can do being single that you will not be able to do when you're um, married. So I feel like, for me personally, it's just, you know, that it's just not my time, you know, and God wants me to be single so he can work on me personally and mature me. So...
0: what is one thing that you would say is the hardest challenge about about being single
4: the holidays
2: yeah, yeah. holidays <laughs> <laughs> Christmas yeah. Thanksgiving Valentine's Day yeah. <laughs> and yes. I think so much because like there are a lot of singles out there that don't really have like a family behind them like I know for me like I come from a family that's not Christian based so I like to try to surround myself with like, GF family, who kind of is that can lead me. So the holidays are very difficult, um, and being able to acknowledge that out loud, I think, is important because um, I'm sure a lot of us really do struggle during that time. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. And it's not just that we don't have somebody to bring with us to, like, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner or anything like that. It's more so the questions that we may get from our family members <laughs> that ask us every single year of just like, okay, so when are, when is it gonna happen? Like, when are you gonna get married? Or like, just even like the the term of just, sorry mom, my mom is here by the way. Um, <laughs> um, you know, like I, I wanna have grandkids or something to that extent. And it's, it's a desire that my mother has. Like, and that's a, that, that to me, that's a good desire, but in a sense that kind of turns it on us, to where it's just like, okay, I have to like quickly do this thing that is expected of me and it doesn't go in the order that God wants it to go in. And so, yeah, that's where it's super hard where you have to, I don't know, face the the inquiry of your family members and just trying to justify why it is you're still in this state of singleness.
1: And I think also, um I think the biggest struggle a lot of people have with being single is knowing what it is really supposed to look like, you know, biblically speaking. Um, you know, cause I mean, we live in a culture, you know, when you're single, you're taught to be this way, you're taught to be, you know, um, just different ways. But, and it goes against what the Bible says. So I think the biggest struggle we face today is knowing what the Bible says about, okay, what is being single supposed to look like? What am I supposed to be doing? How can I be serving? Those type of things. So I feel like that's a big struggle.
3: Or what if what is dating look like? Yeah. Um, cause that's a struggle and I don't know, it's just, I, it's hard to like not be, to have a desire and not be, you you know, like I know I'm not thirsty, um, (laughs) but how, you know, like how, you know, how, you know, it'd be good to hear how some wives, you know, Waited for their husbands, but also when their husbands pursued them, what'd you do? Like, you didn't just sit there, but maybe you gave a wink, maybe you flirted. And like, and some of us have a struggle, you know, some of us have a struggle. I have a struggle no, doing we, that. So, do. <laughs> we all do.
4: <laughs> I think, um, if I can say one more, um, there definitely is a need for a Titus II relationship. Um, like, the singles definitely do desire to learn, to glean from a lot of you married folk. Um, I know some of us are around the same age that are like married and single, so it's hard to see it as a older woman teaching a younger woman, but it's still you're wiser in a, in a different way than we are. So it would be nice to, to have that open door from you all just so we can learn in that regard.
0: Yeah. It's actually a really good setup to our last question. Um, what are some of the ways the church, whether married or single, can serve singles in the church. I got
1: that one. I got that one. <laughs> Discipleship—that's yes. a big one. Um, yeah. Because I mean, you know, I mean, it's, like I said, some of us didn't grow up in the church, some of us did. But discipleship is huge, man. It's it's really big. It, it, it's 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 a big difference when some when you have somebody investing in you you know, who gets to know you, you know, and I think in the book of Acts, when Philip fill up with the eunuch, you know, spend time with us, get to know who we are. So discipleship is big. I think that's the, the biggest thing with singles. I think the biggest thing we need is discipleship.
3: And to piggyback off that is um, singles, I would encourage singles to insert yourself into a family, but also families have that open door for us um invite us to your dinner tables even though even if we're that odd number like let us know that we're of value even though we're by ourselves at your table mm-hmm. um s- uh, s- the mercy sam and julie do a really good job at just including me they they need me but they don't know how much i need them and yeah. their yeah. family so
4: yeah <laughs> Um, So I would encourage, and this is sprinkled with grace, um, a lot of the married couples to please be an example, um, because for us, a lot of us, we don't really, or really came from a background of a good example.
5: Um, So you basically are the good example that we need. Um, So it's up to you to basically define what good is. So even your kids are watching you in your marriage, so they're Basically, you are their best example. So, marriage should be definitely a ministry in itself because we're taught that. So, just make sure. Sorry, my voice is giving out a lot. Um, so, for us, we're we're watching you. Stalker, no stalker, but we're watching you. Um, so we we see the micro expressions. We see the way that you guys interact with each other, and we're looking to that to be to be that example for us. So just make sure that you guys are kind of walking in that light in ministry as well, because we we do watch you guys too, so.
3: I would also say, like, I mean, don't do it today, but sometimes leaving church is sad um, because all the families are leaving together and we're, you know, we're leaving by ourselves. And, I mean, don't make it obvious, you know, like, oh, hey, let me walk with you, but, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) include us in your conversations, include us, you know, like that, for me, that, from that door to my car could be very, a lot for me sometimes, and so just, you know, invite us into your circles, married or not, like, you know, engaged, um, invite us into your circles, yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Can I say something for the singles? Um, Like, to tie into what they've all said, like, we want married people to kind of open up to us and, like, teach us and talk to us, but you also have to be open to it, to receive it, to understand it, and know that when they are talking to you or they are discipling you, that it isn't to make you feel bad or to discourage you. It's really to encourage you to, you know, strive for something to become whole in you before you enter into a relationship, into um, a marriage, and get involved in community. Like for me, I've always struggled in singleness and being a part of a life group and a D group and different ministries has really fulfilled me in a way that I don't think a relationship could have. Um, and so I do encourage you if you are single to, to bring yourself into that, you know, a community like Mika said. like connect, attach yourself to one couple, if you can, that you feel you can have a relationship with, you know, a discipleship relationship with, so they can guide you and strengthen you in it. Cause it is not easy out here. Check on your single friends. We are not okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So that's just something that I wanted to say for the singles.
1: um, Also to my singles, um, take your time, amen. Take your time, like get it, get it right, you know. And I think also, if you pray, if you're praying for that significant other to be put in your life, um, I think the biggest thing we forget sometimes is we'll pray for things, but then we don't prepare to receive it. So if you're gonna pray for that significant person, you know, prepare yourself for it. And also, I also say, stop looking at being single as uh, as a struggle. You know, change the way you view it. It's your time to grow. It's your time to mature. It's your time to, you know, become better. So. Take your time. Yeah. Stop looking at the struggle and prepare.
3: Yeah, and and to just piggyback on that is one of the things that I like to do and keep like a mantra for myself is to be on mission. Like, yes. I don't want you know whoever God has for me to come you know find me when I'm sad. Like I want to be busy. Like if I'm running around with my head cut off for Fellowship fell kids, if I'm traveling, if you know like. Um, You know, just be found busy, you don't, because someone in my life group says, um, my D group always says, you don't know, you could be engaged in three months, you can be married in six a year, you know, like, use your time wisely and take advantage of it, because, you know, married people are tied down, and we're not, so (laughs) do what you got to do.
5: Freedom. (laughs) Um, so, So, if I can, sorry. Really, really quick. Um, backtrack to the, f- the, the previous question. Um, so what you see on stage is basically a representation of what we have to go through. There are like three women to like one guy. Uh, <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> One of the guys could not be here today. <laughs> one one so of the guys. Just saying. Um,
5: so please, please, please marry people. If you do, like, you know, especially the guys, if you see like a single guy in the corner, like please, him grab up, him, put you know? like, him out for the rest of us. Like, Cause we just, don't know. <laughs> yeah, disciple him, please. Make sure that he's yeah. at the point where he's ready to be married. Amen. Uh, the other thing I would definitely say, you know, agree with my cohorts in making sure that, you know, we as singles are ready um, and dating apps are really not always the option for a lot of us, please. Um, because it does make us go through like this numbing process of constantly swiping and we don't see what it is that we are to obtain from these individuals. It becomes more of a quantity thing, more than a quality. So you're going towards and you're going through all of these people and you don't really know who they are as individuals. Um, So please don't like push us towards dating apps. Um, And then the other thing is lastly, making sure you're not looking at your transition Um, from dating to marriage or courtship as the prosperity gospel in a sense of like I'm doing this thing so that way I can obtain this one thing. So I'm serving in this way so God why am I not like married yet? Why am I not engaged yet? Because I'm doing all of these things but then I'm not reaping what it is that I want to sow when it's not really God's timing for that. So...
0: Let's all stand and be dismissed. God, we thank you, we bless you. Let's give them a hand, y'all. Let's show them some love. Praise God, praise God. Oh man, that was, that was amazing. That was amazing. And I think you hear it better as they're saying it than I think you'll hear. Um, some of this. Uh, some people may say, well, Rodney, what gives you the right as a married person to get up and, and preach on dating or preach about singles? And It's a good question. The answer is the word does. Okay, so it'd be incomplete for us to leave without opening up God's scripture and proclaiming his truth and seeing the gospel in it. So let's go to the word of God. You can find me in Proverbs chapter 7. We're in a series called Me, We, Us, and the premise of this series is that we need each other. We need each other. It's just such a beautiful job of laying that out, but the the, the premise is true. We are not built to do life alone. Um, 45% of millennials, 18 to 37, say they struggle with loneliness. We know that increases uh, our mortality rate by 33%. So we need to be in community. Here's a challenge. Being in relationships, being in community can be messy. And I think sometimes when we hear people being in a relationship or being in a friendship, work things working out well, sometimes we can say, well, my friendship doesn't look like that, or my singleness doesn't look like what they just said, or my dating doesn't look like that, or my marriage doesn't look like that. The challenge in our relationship is that people are messy, and nonetheless, God calls us to engage with people. So for parents out there, real quick, I will be talking about sex some today, and so if you... um have some children that uh should be in one of the children's ministry i just want to leave that option open to you um, because i am kind of going straight forward today okay um let's pray and let's jump in i'm ready to go father thank you thank you for what we heard would you help that to marinate deep within our hearts Thank you for that, True. Thank you for uh, you putting us in a church that is serious about discipleship. Some of the stuff that was said this morning came out of discipleship relationships. So thank you for that. Father, we pray, would you convict us where we need to be convicted? Would you encourage us where we need to be encouraged? Would you help us, Lord, to know and grow in the truth that you're calling us to? Father, I just pray against offense, any offense that may happen in this room today. The, the, we, we're not intentionally trying to offend anybody, but the gospel itself is an offense. And so, would you equip me to preach boldly and clearly so your people can grow in your word. And so, it's to that end, I'm available to you. Would you use me for your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Meet me in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6 to 22. Proverbs 7, verse 6 through 22, should be on the screen, says this. For at the window in my house, I have looked out through the lattice, and I have seen among the simple, and I perceived among the youth, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, talking about the promiscuous or adulterous woman, Taking the road to her house, and in twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness, and behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and, and at every corner, she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him, and with a bold face, she says to him, I had to offer sacrifice. And today I have paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. And I've spread my couch with coverings, covered linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloe and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuaded him. With her smooth talk, she compelled him. All at once, he follows her as an axe goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast. I want to talk to you about three things this morning. I want to talk to you about the dating squad. Point number one is building a squad. How do we build this dating squad? Number two, typical dating. And number three, what if, what if? I remember uh, I started ministry, started preaching at Florida Atlantic University and we were doing a Bible study called Catch the Fire. And this, this Bible study started out really small with three people uh, in a dorm room. And in its heyday, it was something like 100, 110 people a week. It was an amazing time. We did that for about nine years. It's incredible. And around year, year, year five or so, um, I started seeing something happen over and over and over again. And what that was is people would come up, and they would want to talk about uh, not so much what we're talking about in scripture or what's laid out in the text. They want to talk about real relationships that they were in. And so I started hearing these conversations and having these sidebars. And 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 my wife and I would be ministering to young men and ministering to young women about their dating relationship. And then finally I said, everybody needs to hear this at one time. And so we, we, we did a series called Sex is on My Mind. And we just preached at it, and and, and, and man, when I started talking about relationships, attendance started going up and up and up. I was talking about where they were living and how the gospel could apply. And one of the things that that would happen, I mean, just almost after every series, someone will walk up to me, someone will walk up to my wife, and they'll say something like this, "Um, I'm dating this guy, and I want you to talk to him. Or I'm dating this girl, and I want you to talk to her. And we'll, 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 we'll talk to her and listen. And, and one of the things we'll find out, usually around week three or week four of them dating, is that they had begun to tune everybody else out in their life, at some, in some cases, including me. And this new guy or this new girl has risen so high in their heart so fast. They had went from you know talking and sharing and, and being in community. To now they don't talk to people. They don't really share with people. They keeping stuff to themselves. They're not as open as they were before. And the question I would often ask: How did this brother get so high so fast? How did this sister get so high so fast? And it's like what Mika said: uh, They were that thirsty. They were that thirsty. And one of the warnings that I want to give real early, Aaron spoke into it, is, is this idea of not being so consumed in a dating relationship that all sense and sensibility go out the window. You see, if there's someone really, 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 thirsty, they don't care how they look when they get to, to water. They lose all decorum, they lose all discernment, and they just go and drink. So, one of the ways I think God has called us to do dating, that was the question how do we date well? One of the ways God's called us to do dating well is by number one, building a squad. So, to help us with that, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of dating, chapter 20, verse 20. When you have it, say amen. The Book of Dating, chapter 20, is right between Malachi and Matthew in those white pages. Here's a challenge. The Bible doesn't say a ton about dating. The Bible doesn't say a ton about dating. It gives restrictions in dating relationships or as it relates to sex, but it doesn't say a ton about dating. There's principles that we can follow to help us, but it doesn't speak specifically towards dating. And someone will say, well, see, that's the problem. Why isn't the Bible relevant? It is. Why does it meet me where I am? It will. But here's why. Because in those days, marriages were arranged. Mothers and fathers would come together and they would help find a suitable spouse for their daughter or their son. Marriages were arranged. Now, calm down, I'm not advocating that we arrange marriages, although with my kids, I probably will try. (laughs) Daddy got wisdom. Let me. Um, What I am saying is, I don't think we're supposed to do this dating thing alone. Let me say that again. I don't think we're supposed to do this dating thing alone. If you're married in here and you're like, oh, dating, listen, you already heard it from our team we need you to speak truth into single relationships, to singles. And this is one of the encouragements you, can, you, you should say, you know, who are you talking to about who you dating? Who's walking with you about who you are dating? You see, I believe one of the things God has given his people for dating is his people. One of the gifts that God has given to us is each other. And that's why the church matters. That's why the gathering is important. That's why where you go to church matters. You got to be sure that there are some people in this place that loves Jesus. And let me tell you, this place is leaking with those kinds of people. You want to know, how do I know if this guy is real or not? The answer to that question is all over this room. How do I know if she's sincere or not? How how do I know when it's time to start thinking about marriage? Those answers are all over this room. But you got to draw that stuff out. There's resources in the well, but if you're not in community, there are benefits to being in community. Amen? So let's get to our text. Wisdom here, uh, this, this is Proverbs, this is the book of wisdom, this is, it's in a portion of scripture that calls, that's called the wisdom literature. It is this idea that this father or this mother is giving wisdom to their son. In this particular Proverbs, it's a father's instruction to the son. In other Proverbs, like Proverbs 31, it is the mother's instruction to the son. But here's what I need you to hear. Whether you're male or female, son or daughter, God is speaking to you. Rodney, how do you know that? Second, uh, Timothy says, all scripture is God-breathed. It's profitable for instructions and teaching and rebuke. So I need you to hear this for all of us. And I love how he starts. He says, my son, keep my word. In other words, he's trying to kick some knowledge to you that you got to hold on to. In other words, don't tune out when he's talking. There's some instructions he's going to give that he wants you to keep. He wants you to uh, 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 keep this teaching as the apple of your eye. He wants them to bind uh, them around your finger. He wants them to write it on the tablet of your heart. He wants you to say to Wisdom, you are my sister. I think oftentimes part of the challenge in dating is we don't do well with getting or keeping instructions. And it's sad. Here's why. Because dating, who you date, is probably the second biggest decision you'll make in your life. Now, some would say, no, that's marriage. Well, you only marry people you date. So, in other words, who you date, who you go out with, who you talk to is the second most important decision in your life. It's going to have an effect on your whole life. We'll talk more about that in just a second. So, you need to get this right. Well, someone would say, Rodney, I am wise. I've read books. I got books on dating. I listen to podcasts on dating. I've watched three hundred and forty-seven YouTube videos on dating. I am wise. I know what I want. Let me show you my list. <laughs> okay, you wise. I'm giving I ain't fighting you this morning. You wise, you all that. You a bag of chips. You got it together. Listen. But I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to you when you date. Those are two different people. I've seen folks, smart, intelligent, all that love Jesus on fire when they date. All mine, gone. Just, just, who are you? I don't know, but I'm just, I really like him and stuff. Have you seen him? You should meet him. If you meet him, you'll love him. So I'm not talking to you, the wise you, the you studied, you know, theological you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to you when you're dating. Those are two different people. And so because you switch and become somebody else when you're dating, you need somebody who is not infatuated with him or her as you are. You need a squad. It's like what Magic was doing when he drafted LeBron. He needed a squad. Go Lakers. Um, You need a squad. You need somebody that will have access to you to tell you the truth and can look at the situation with objective eyes. Here's a quick question, Rodney, how do I build a squad? Who do I look for to put on my squad? Footnote, everybody don't need to be on your squad. Some folk, you need to keep off your squad. But how do I know who needs to be on my squad? Number one, they love you. You need people that's speaking into your relationships that love you, genuinely loves you, here's a footnote, but they love Jesus more. They love you, but they love Jesus more. Number two, they are genuinely concerned, not just curious. The Bible starts this passage by saying that there's a man who's sitting in his house, and he's looking out through his lattice, through his window, and he's observing things. See, we think too often people that are looking into our relationship is just nosy. It's possible that I'm not looking into your relationship because I'm nosy. I could be looking into your relationship because I'm concerned. And you need wisdom to know the difference between the two. Some of us call people nosy that are concerned that God's put in our life to speak truth to us. So they need to be genuinely concerned, not just curious. And last, thirdly, they need to be wise and discerning. They need to be wise, and you need to see the wisdom in their life bearing fruit in their own lives. Some of us go to folk about dating, and every dating relationship they had was a hot mess. You need to have people on your squad who's bearing fruit, amen? And you need to get them into this, talking about this early. One of the things I don't like about being a pastor is sometimes people come to me way too late. Right now, I want you to meet them. Okay, cool. Are y'all thinking about marriage? Yeah, we get married next week. What? What? You're not looking for me to speak into your relationship. You're looking for me to co sign. I, I, I don't want to co sign. I want to speak into your relationship. So, everything I say you'll hear is me holding the wedding up. You need people that are wise, discerning, and you need to get them in the relationship early. Rodney, how early? Early, early. What if what if they drive them away? Yeah. If if my squad can drive some folk away, maybe they're not the one. No, Pastor, I have to protect him from them. Them? Now we them. When you're going through and you're crying, it's not coming out your nose. I'm all that. But when you meet him, I'm them. No, get them in early. Get them in early. If they can't stand none of your friends, warning. It's quiet, okay, keep going. Point number two, typical dating. No, seriously. Point number two, typical dating. And, and here's where I'm going. This, this text, let's be clear. He's talking about adultery. This is a married woman engaging this, this single guy. He, he's talking about adultery. But when I read the text, it, it, it seems more to me like how people typically date today. I'm, I'm talking about this, this, this culture, this world. But this is the world in which we live. This is the temptation that that people are feeling, that are dating. It's, it's this idea that if, if if I'm gonna date, it's almost it's almost a given that at some point we're gonna sleep together. Steve Harvey has a book uh, Act like a. What is it? I get confused. What is it? At like a what? Think like a man. Like a man. Okay, act like a woman, think like a man. Thank you. In this book, he has this ninety day rule. He says, don't have sex for 90 days. Control yourself. Hold yourself. Don't do it. Don't. No. Wait. 90 days. Not 85. 90 days. And folk do that for 90 days. And after 90 days, restraints go off. Jesus says, not 90 days until marriage. Here's what the culture is saying. There's some benefit to waiting. They just got the time wrong. See, what, 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 what Steve is trying to say is you, you, you're going to learn some things about him in the 90 days, learn some things about her in the 90 days that you can't find out on day seven, day three, day one. So I want you to abstain for 90 days so you can learn and grow and be knitted together. He just has his time wrong. Jesus says, I want you to abstain until you're married. Let's be clear on what the standard is. And I know to many of us, yo, Pastor Rod, that's crazy. Has your way been working? God's right. I know we live in an overly sexual society. I know there are are all kinds of things that are teaching us that you're going to lose her if you don't do it. You're going to lose him if you don't do it. And, and And not just my singles here, I want to caution every married person in the room i want to- I want to caution married people that are flirting with people at work or flirting with people in your neighborhood or flirting with women that you meet here or there or flirting with men that you meet here and there. It's, it's the same idea that I got needs that have to be exercised, and if my spouse don't meet my need for any amount of time, it gives me the right to go out and get it you're wrong, God's right. He's not just calling married folk to live a certain way and single folk to live a certain way. He's calling all of us, no matter whatever your sexual desire is, he's saying bring all of that under my lordship and the place for sexual intimacy is this thing called marriage. So watch what wisdom says to this young man. Watch what wisdom says to us. Point number one that we see in the text, wisdom says you're too simple. You're too simple. What he means here by saying you're too simple, that word simple in the original language means you're too open. Here's what he's saying. You're you're, you're dating in a way that is careless. You're entering relationships in a way that is is careless. You lack accountability. You're too open. You have no commitment. Hey, is that your girl? Hmm, Not my girl. She's just someone I kick it with. No commitment. So, are y'all okay? I see what this guy, y'all talking about marriage? Uh, we don't want to rush things. We're young, we're just enjoying our lives. Here's the premise that young equals no plans. No. You should be able to clarify relationships in your life. We talked about this last week with friends. What are the areas of your life that people are in? What is this thing you're doing? You're talking, you're hanging out, you're chilling. You're saying, let's just have fun. Let's just Netflix and chill. Man, ain't nothing wrong with Netflix and chill. Clarify, be clear. This world we live in has low commitments and high on fun. Here's the challenge to be high on commitment and grow in your friendship. I think if you want to have a good marriage, have a good friendship. Sometimes you say, I don't know if I should marry him. Well, do you? Would you be his friend? If you, would, if you don't want to be a, oh, I, don't, I don't really like chilling with him like that. That's one if I want to marry him. No. Your marriage should be built on a good friendship. Amen? And so some of the stuff I'm saying to you I'm trying to show you where culture is, and I'm trying to show you where God is calling us to. I believe God's calling us to, to something that almost feels like a rebellion against culture. That's why I call it typical dating. So if you meet somebody, and, and your, your, your friends and something meet somebody, they just, man, three weeks later, they're having sex. I'm, typical. But God's called us to something else. It's a re- it's this rebellion against what is normal in our society. If you tell somebody we're not having sex to a marriage, they're going to look at you like you have 17 heads. Who can do that? You lying. I don't believe you. Y'all just lying. No, God's calling us to a whole rebellion against what culture says. Point number two that he points out in this passage, I'm giving you five things that this passage says. He talks about where this guy is going. We see him, he's walking down the street, he's heading to her house, he's hanging around on the corner, he's, he's doing all of this at night, and, and here's the question I have for you that are thinking about dating, uh, what's going to be your strategy? Where are you going? Where are you going? What's your strategy? Because if you don't have a strategy, then your lustful desires are going to lead you to places that you should not go. If you have no accountability, then your lustful desires want to lead you to places you should not go. Somebody say, well, Rodney, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm testing the waters. Or if you're married in here, you say stuff like, well, I'm not going to cheat with this person. We just have this project at work that we have to finish, so I'm going I'm to meet with them alone because we got to finish this project. Nothing's going to happen. No, you have no strategy. So I to a young man this week, and he was talking about ministry stuff, and he was talking about girls discipling guys, and I love him. He has a great heart. He was talking about girls discipling guys, and I was like, stop, wait a minute. That's not the strategy. Girls don't disciple guys. Showing ain't the strategy when you're dating. I love, I love what Jennifer says. She's like, all right, you meet him, you disciple him, then bring him. See how the strategy works? Guys disciple guys. Girls disciple girls. What's the strategy that you have for dating, okay? And then where are you looking? If I go to Walmart after church today, if I go to Walmart after church today, here's why I'm going, I'll be honest, this is just me. If you love Walmart, man, rock with Walmart. If that's you, do you. Um, If I'm going, I'm going for a deal. If you see me at Walmart, I'm there to save money. That's what I'm doing. Um, I don't look for great customer service when I go to Walmart. I don't expect if I, excuse me, can you help me with, hello, excuse me. I don't expect to ask questions about the product I'm buying. If I go to Walmart, I'm going to, to save money. If I go to Publix, I'm going to enjoy the experience. I'm going because if I ask, excuse me, can not help me? Yes, I'm going to walk with you there. Come on, how are you today? Are you okay? Uh, yeah, the, 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 prod, the, the product is not there, but but I'm going to order it and I'll bring it to your house tomorrow morning. Is that okay, sir? Uh, yeah. I don't look for quality at Walmart. If I want quality, i got to look in the right places. As you're dating them when you look at them do you see quality one of the greatest temptations is dating is this idea of settling we've put this this timer in our head and it's always running and if and if i don't get there by this time up it's bad things are gonna happen i gotta hurry up and bust him i tried waiting on god but he's taking too long so i gotta make this thing happen The question on the table is, you don't rush what you're going to spend the rest of your life with. That decision is too weighty. So I got to be able to have a process to judge whether this is quality or not. Sometimes when you're in it, it's too hard to do. You need a squad. You need a squad. But one of the ways we know off-rip is, does this person know Jesus? Well, Rodney, he said he does. <laughs> it's funny. I was talking, my daughter's 13. And I'm talking to her about this sermon this week, and and um, she's, she's asking that question. I'm talking to her about who her squad is. Mom and dad is definitely on her squad, and we're just talking through stuff with her. And one of the things she said is, how do you know if he really loves Jesus? I said, if he really loves Jesus... You're gonna smell Jesus on him. Daddy, what do you mean by smelling? It's it's this idea: if I'm around you, what's on you is eventually gonna come off. Someone wears a really good cologne. You, 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 as soon as they walk by you, sometimes when they're walking up to you, smell it. Definitely when they walk past you, you smell it. It's, it's this fragrance that they carry. Same thing if somebody uh, didn't do what they were supposed to do this morning and they walk up to you, and you know, mm-hmm. And then they walk past you like, like it's, it's this idea that what was on them came off. If someone is in a relationship with the King of King and the Lord of Lords, if someone worships Jesus, eventually they're going to bear some fruit of that relationship. If you're around them and you don't never sense no fruit, if the only time y'all talk about Jesus is when you bring it up, that don't pass the test. And if you can't see that, talk to your squad or talk to your pastor. Your elders will help you. Well, I mean, is it really that serious that they know Jesus? It's them knowing Jesus is everything. Let's go back to the text. Here's another thing that wisdom says they are provocatively guarded. I love this. The Bible says she is dressed like a prostitute, but is wily of heart. That word heart means she's guarded. Her heart is guarded. She's dressed like a prostitute with a, with a guarded heart. Her dress is, is open for everyone to see all, but her heart is guarded. Body open, heart closed. When you rush into sexual relationships, You do yourself a disservice of discovering the person's heart. Because sex convolutes the relationship. It does. God is not calling us to have open bodies and closed hearts. He's calling us people to have hearts that are open and their body are closed until marriage. See, now we can talk about what happened to you when you were 14. And that doesn't have to come up in marriage counseling. Now we could talk about stuff that was really broken and and, and issues that you had in your life and trouble that you experienced along the way. Now we can have honest, open dialogue because we're not just rushing to the bedroom. We're actually having an actual conversation. And watch this. That's what you want. And not just women. Brothers, you want to know. You want to know who this person is you're with. Amen. So God wants hearts open, body closed. I love what Tim Keller says about this. He says this. The early church was strikingly different from the culture around it in this way. The pagan society was stingy with its money and promiscuous with their body. Stingy with their money, promiscuous with their body. A pagan gave nobody their money and practically gave everybody their body. And the Christian came along and gave practically nobody their body and they gave practically everybody their money. One of the marks, one of the things that make us distinctive as Christians is how we handle relationships and our view on sex and sexuality. And this is what our culture needs. This is what our culture needs. It's not just sex for the Christian, it's more. And how do we know that? Because our Creator tells us. The Bible says the two two that that were apart came together and became one flesh. That one flesh is talking about their sexual relationship, and it's more than just just climax and feeling good. Sex was designed to be sharing emotionally, sharing your soul, your heart, your resources, your vision, your dreams. It's more than that, and that's why every time fornication happened, it leaves you wanting more. We're going to see that in our text in just a second. Next thing we see... This, this this woman do is she uses religion as bait. Proverbs 13 through 15 says this. She seized him and kissed him. With bold face she said to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. Are y'all seeing this? So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. This is crazy. She's spiritualizing her sexual sin. Here's what she's saying. A, I need you to come through tonight. I need you to be at the house around one. Don't worry, I pay my tithes. Don't worry, I volunteer in this ministry at my church. So will be there at one. That's literally what she's saying. It's, it's this idea, don't worry, I'll check the box to your little Christianity thing. But just make sure you come through. She sexualizes or she spiritualizes Her sexual sin. Here's what she doesn't understand. Sex is more than just physical. This is why understanding does this person have a sincere relationship with Jesus Christ is so very important and not just somebody that attends church. Just because they come here don't mean they're a Christian. He lifted up his hands in worship too. It doesn't mean, it could be that he's, God's at work. Don't miss this. But just because God's at work don't mean he's married ready. Well, Rodney, what, what, don't you want him to be saved? Yes, I want him to be saved. You're in the way. What do you mean? I'm, 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 I'm bringing him to church. Yeah, you're standing in the way. Well, I'm trying to get him to understand scripture and you're standing in the way. If you would move out your way and let me get an elder on him, we could see some progress. If you would get out of his life for a moment, we can see some true repentance if it's there. But you are an impediment because you're thirsty. Move out the way. I love you. That was a little bit harsh. Move out the way. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Okay, Close, closing out. Five things, she says. This is her closing line. This is the thing that gets him uh, all the way back to her house. She says five things to him. This is rapid succession right now. She's trying to knock him out. Here it is. She says five things. Number one, she says, I desire you. The Bible says, I was looking for you and I found you. I was looking for you. you the one I want. you the girl I've been looking for all my life. You're the man of my dreams. I've been looking for you. Number two, I provided everything for you. The Bible talks about her furniture and how she sets up her furniture and the aloes and the cinnamon. Here's what she's saying. You just got to come through. You ain't got to do nothing. Everything's paid for. Then she says, this is low commitment. Just come through. This is what she says. For one night only. Just come and let's enjoy ourselves until the morning. And then you can go. Look what else she says. She says, listen, my husband is far gone, and he's not coming back for a long time. Here's what she's saying. Let's keep this a secret, and nobody ain't got to find out. And if they don't know, it, it can't hurt people if they don't know. Here's the lie that nobody will find out. But sexual sin will always be found out. The Bible says what you do in the darkness, it will come to light. This is, this is for, for 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 singles. We can be saying, you know what? Since God has taken so long bringing my husband or my wife, let me just go ahead and get some now until the right one shows up. But you getting something now is interfering with the one that's showing up. You could be sinning against someone you don't even know yet. She says, I I want you, I desire you. Number two, I want to provide. I'll take care of everything. Low commitment. You can leave in the morning. Just keep it a secret. Nobody has to know. But there's another lover. He says, I was looking for you and I found you. As a matter of fact, with me, you were never lost. I always saw where you were. When you weren't being faithful to me, I was faithfully pursuing you. I was looking for you and I found you. And I provide everything you need. To be with me, you don't have to earn your way. You just need to surrender. You don't have to be good enough to be with me. You just have to repent and put your trust in me. He provided everything for our salvation. And with Jesus, it's not low commitment. It's not let's just kick it until the morning and you can get up and go to work and go out about your business. He doesn't say that. He doesn't put low commitment. He says, I want high commitment from you. When you look at my desire and you look how I have provided for you, I don't want to set the bar low. I want to set the bar high. I want all of you, Jesus says. You don't have to rush and put on your clothes and leave in the morning, you can stay over. As a matter of fact, move in. I want all of you. Your body, your soul and your spirit. This thing is not just physical. It's 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 in our soul. It's in our spirit. Jesus says, "I want all of you." Not just that. He says, "I don't want to keep this a secret. I don't care who finds out. I will shout my love for you on the rooftop." That's good news. I'll be praying for you. As a matter of fact, Jesus is praying for us right now. He's continually making intercession for us right now. Jesus says, I will sing over you. I will sing a new song over you. He is infatuated with us. He loves us. Not only that, Jesus says, a secret. Y'all die for you. One of the ways you deal with the challenges of, of sexual temptation is you yield yourself up to Jesus who died for you. And when you see that sacrifice, what is prolonging sex? Amen. Thirdly, lastly, what if? What if this church was known as the church where you can come in this church? You can roll out of bed with somebody that's not your spouse, put on some clothes, come to this church, and feel God say, come on. Come on home. What if this was a place where you weren't seeped in condemnation? But you got the truth spoken to you that convicted your heart to change. What if what you need is not just this this nice, soft, comfortable word? What if you need a place where you were welcome but challenged? What if gospel fellowship became a place where people will hold you accountable? What if this was a place where people would ask questions like, who are you dating? And does he know Jesus? And what are your plans What if Gospel Fellowship was this place where 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 women were protected? When you stepped to holler at a girl, it was like you just you 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 just walked into thirty three brothers that had questions for you. If you'll tell them about us, what if men? What if men were challenged to not treat women as property? But as your little sisters. What if this was a place where we love singles and and saw their contribution as major benefits to the church? What if GF was known as this place where, yo, know, they just date differently over there. I, I don't know what that church is doing, but they're serious about their love for God, and they just do things differently. As a matter of fact, when I look out at their marriages, yo, it looked like they are happy. It's a little bit different over there. It looked like he really loved his wife. It looks like this wife really loves her husband. It looked like when they submit to doing it God way, it, it looks like in the end they're flourishing. Man, I want some of that. I want to taste some of that. How do I get some of that? Where do I sign up for that? Where, where can I learn more about how these people are living as a rebellion against what culture says? And it seems like like it's working in their favor and not for their detriment. What if God's calling this church to be a beacon of light? I believe he is. I believe he is. Everyone's standing. First Thessalonians five twenty three says this, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May he Strengthen your whole spirit, soul, and body and keep you blameless. If you're dating, there are three things for you to do. Number one, make sure there's alignment in the spirit. Make sure they love Jesus. We talked about that. Number two, make sure there's some unity with your mind, your will, and your emotions. Make sure there's some unity in how y'all think about life, how, what your desires are. Not perfect unity, but some. Can you handle them emotionally? And then lastly, and this seems like it's crazy to say, but it's true nonetheless. Make sure you're attracted to them. Don't just marry them because they saved. Here's the test to know if you're attracted to him or not. Do you want your son looking like him? <laughs> Do you want your daughter looking like her? Answer the question honestly. When you roll over, you need to be happy twice, happy to know Jesus and happy I'm attracted in Jesus' name. On a serious note, my Eld- uh, not elders, uh, prayer team, would you come? I-, I believe there are those here this morning. I believe there are those here this morning that are looking at somewhere to go with their sin. You you may not have known that sex before marriage is wrong until this morning, 1 Corinthians 6 helps us with that. You you may not have known that it was wrong biblically, but your heart has been convicting you the whole time. Maybe you're here this morning, you just want to know, man, where do I go with this? Who do I talk to about this? What are my next steps with this? I'm, I'm hiding this relationship that I know is not honoring God, and I need help with this. I'm so glad Jesus came and died. And he came and died to forgive you of your sin. All sexual sin can be forgiven. Hear, me, hear it again. I didn't make a mistake. All sexual sin can be forgiven because of his sacrifice on the cross. I believe God wants to use this morning as a time of healing, a time of deliverance, a time of chains being broken, a time of him working a new work in your life.